So um, I grew up here in Washington. I was born and raised here in town and I left for college, but then I came back and my husband and I knew very quickly that we wanted to stay here. We wanted to raise our family here. We wanted our kids to go to the amazing schools here because we love this town so much. We love the community, we love its people. And there's so many things in Washington that we love. But one of our favorite things, which I'm sure as most of you can agree, is the Washington Square. We love the Washington Square. I spend a lot of time up there. I go get coffee up there. Our bank is up there. I go shopping up there. During um, summer, we spend a lot of time up there at the candy shop. We take our kids up there, we, we get the candy and the slushies and we go to the middle of the square and we, we eat our candy, we give them change to put in the fountain, but we just love spending time at the square. And our square actually was founded in 1825. It's been around for a really long time. But there's something to be said about the square this time of year. I mean, it is straight from a Hallmark movie, don't you think? I mean, there's the lights and the greenery and it is just beautiful in December at night. It's really magical up there. And um, it makes it even more special because what's in the middle and that's the nativity scene. And the first nativity scene that was, was put in the middle on the Washington Square was actually 1953. And I have a picture of it up here and um, it's a little grainy, but you can see it. This was the very first nativity scene in Washington. I mean, it's as beautiful then as it is still today. And we have amazing people that put this up every year and put it down and just make it special for the whole town. But this was founded and, and put um, in the middle for the first time in 1953. So we have this tradition as a family. My husband and I, we like to take our kids up to the square um, during Christmas. The first thing is we take our letters to Santa up there because there's a mailbox. So parents, if you have not taken your kids up there to drop off your letters, make sure to do so so they get to the North Pole in time. So we will be doing that this week. We'll be dropping off our letters to make sure they get it to the North Pole in time. But we also love to take a picture by the nativity scene as well or in the nativity scene. Um, then when I was looking at this picture, I'm like, I don't know if we're really supposed to get in there like we did. So you can see my son there is riding one of the cows, but uh, we love the nativity scene. Um, and we just have that tradition that we just go up there every year, look at the Christmas decorations, take some pictures, drop off our letters. Now I get to talk about a Christmas carol that goes way back as well. It's an old Christmas carol. We've been singing this um, for years as Christians. And I love this series that we're in because we've been looking at different Christmas carols and we've been dissecting them and trying to figure out what the meanings are and what the words mean and why we sing the songs that we sing. And there's Christmas music playing everywhere, everywhere. Who has it on all the time right now? Okay, there's more Scrooges in this service than there was first service. I mean, wow. So in our car, we have the 106.9 playing. So it's 24 seven Christmas music. We love Christmas music, but you cannot get away from it. It's in every store that you go to. It's on the intercoms. Um, if you have children, it's the time of year of the, the, the Christmas concerts and pageants. And if you were here last week, you saw the magic up here with the snow and the jingle bells and the, the Connect kids literally sang the, their little Christmas hearts out last week and they did such a good job. 
But there's so many different types of songs for Christmas. There's songs that have little to no meaning at all. I mean, when we sing the songs we're singing, we're, we're decking the, the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. You know, there's not a lot of depth in that. There's Frosty the Snowman. There's I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Yes, one of my favorites. And I went to Dave and I knew we were doing this series and I'm like, can I sing on one of these? I will figure out all the things about Frosty the Snowman of why this kid wanted a hippopotamus. Can I please sing one of these songs? And Dave very quickly was like, no, you cannot. But I will let you sing or talk about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I'm like, great, perfect. So that is the carol I have for you this morning is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we sang that as a church here this morning. And when we sang those words, when, when we sang together, it doesn't really have that Christmassy vibe as most Christmas songs do. It's not as joyful as Jingle Bells. And in fact, it, it's sang in a minor key, which basically gives just more of an emotion to this song. So this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, was written anywhere between the eighth and the 12th century. It's a really old carol, probably one of the oldest. And it was originally written in Latin. And then later as years went on, it was put into um, songs and written in English. But these, these songs, these hymns were recited by monasteries long, long ago. And they would sing them during the Advent season. And Advent basically means arrival. They were celebrating the arrival of the King, of the Messiah. But I want to focus on one word here this morning of the song. And it's the song, or it's the word that we sing over and over again. And that word is Emmanuel. I want to focus on that word this morning, Emmanuel. And that word means God with us. God with us. And that's a really big deal if we sit here this morning and really think about it. Because when you see when God created man, if you look all the way back at the beginning in the book of Genesis, when God created man, God walked in the garden of Eden with man. He lived with man, he conversed with man, he communed with man. And you see that man sinned and that separated man from God. And there was this God now that was a far away God. And the relationship that people had with God was basically built on laws and sacrifices and, and praying to a God that seems so far away. But the truth is man didn't want it to be this way and, and God did not want it to be this way. There's a prophet by the name of Isaiah and he prophesied over 700 years ago before the birth of Jesus and he said this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For hundreds of years, the people of God were hanging on to this promise. For hundreds of years, the, the people of God were hanging on to this hope, the idea that God will come, come in the flesh, they will see him face to face and he will be Emmanuel, God with us. In the book of Matthew, this is the first book written in the New Testament. 
um, the disciple, this disciple Matthew, he tells and he writes about the account of Joseph. When, when Mary first told Joseph, her soon-to-be husband, that she was going to, to have this baby. And she, um, she, was, she was having this baby because of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think of what Joseph was thinking, what was going through his mind. He was scared. He was nervous. He was confused. I mean, I'm sure he was thinking it all. But the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said this, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this is what was said next. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is so important what Matthew was pointing out here is this is what everybody has been waiting for. This is what God promised hundreds of years ago, and it's finally coming to pass. God with us. And this is the whole reason for this Christmas season. This is why we, we celebrate. This is why we sing the songs and we decorate. And this is the reason for Christmas, this Hebrew word right here, Emmanuel. And this is what sent the three wise men running after the star, chasing after the star to go find this, this king that they heard about. And actually, this is probably going to burst a lot of your bubbles here this morning. But um, when you see the beautiful nativity scene and you see, you know, Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the three wise men, I mean, they really weren't there in real life. It took them years to get to Jesus. They followed the star for two years and they finally got to Jesus when he was a toddler and they, they laid the gifts down at his feet. They worshiped this new Messiah, all because of the word Emmanuel. The word that makes all the difference and is the reason for the season and is the good news of the gospel. God took a stake and he put it in human history thousands of years ago and claimed for all people, for all time, that God is truly with us. John, another writer in the New Testament, he's actually one of Jesus's very first followers, first disciples. And um, when he's talking about the birth of Jesus, John says this, the word, the word which is basically John's nickname for Jesus, it basically means Jesus, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John is saying he moved into the neighborhood. He brought his home with us. And sometimes this can be really hard to believe. Sometime, sometimes this can be really hard to wrap our heads around. I mean, maybe we've had a really hard season and we have the, the, we've had a hard year, a hard month, and we are dealing with, you know, bitterness and hurt and anger, maybe worry. And it's hard to wrap our heads that God can truly be with us. It's hard to understand the, that we serve and worship and celebrate a God who is with us. And maybe the season that you're in, you have the season and the feeling of regret, maybe remorse of some decisions you made and you think, I don't think God could really be with somebody like me. And it's crazy to think that in all the words that God uses to describe himself, he uses this word, Emmanuel. 
Because here's the thing, what we know about scripture, when we read the Bible, here's what we know. We know it teaches us that when we are alone, God is our companion. It teaches us that when we are lost, God is our guide. It teaches us that when we are weak, God is our strength. When we are sick, God is our healer. When we are hurting, God is our hope. And when we find ourselves so wrapped up in our sin, in our brokenness, and our rebellion, we know that God is our savior. Because God is the God for those who are broken, who are fearful, and who feel pain. And maybe after another hard year, another hard season, this is what we need to hear the most, is that God is with you. There's a bunch of words that, that God uses to describe himself, and, and one of those is a Greek word. It's parakaleo, parakaleo, and that Greek word basically means to come alongside. That is how God, our creator, uses to describe himself. He says, I'm the one who comes alongside. So my husband and I, as you saw in those pictures, we have two kiddos. So Reese, um, she's in fifth grade and Finn is in second grade. And um, I remember when we first had Reese when we were in the hospital, um, I loved it. Like I had, it was so good. Like I was taking care of hand and foot. Do you need water? Do you need food? All the things like they were checking on me like every 10 minutes. And there comes that moment and parents, you know this, there comes that moment where it's time to go home. And you're ready, you're excited, you're a little nervous, and, and they make sure your, your child is in the car seat and they move it around and make sure they're secure and you are on your way. And then halfway through, I remember I was, we were halfway through and I thought, oh gosh, they forgot to give us that manual, the parenting manual. They for, totally forgot to give it to us. We'll call the hospital later and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get, get it. But the truth is there is no parenting manual. And we've learned along the way, we've made a lot of mistakes along the way, we've done things not right along the way, but there's some things that we do as parents that it's just instincts. We didn't, we don't, we didn't think about it, it's just something we do, it's just natural to us. And one of those things is if, if a kiddo or if one of our kids is, is hurt, maybe they fall off their bike, they skin their knee and they come running to us and they're crying. An instinct in us as parents is we, we grab them and we hold them tight and we say those magic words. We say, it's okay. Mommy's with you. We hold them tight and we say the words, it's okay, daddy's with you. And somehow those words make everything okay. The, the skin knee is still there, but they're not so hurt anymore. Maybe they were fearful of something, but just those words of saying, it's okay, I'm with you, the fear goes away. And this is just what we do as parents. We remind them that everything is okay because we're there. And this is what scripture tells us is, is God is a good father. And I'm wondering if many of us need to hear that this morning and need to know that we have a good father that wants to wrap us up and say, it's okay, I'm here. There's this picture I saw um, months back, I think I saw it on Facebook, and um, this child had this piece of paper and it was told, it was said at the top, draw a picture of what safe means. Draw a picture of what safe means. And this is what this little kid drew. I mean... I just love that. I remember when I first saw that, I was just like, yes. I know for our two kids, 
There's so many times they have a bad dream or they hear something and one of them run in and we're so tired, we don't want to get up and take them back to bed. So what do we do? We say, get in, just get in, get in. And they climb in the middle of us and somehow that scary dream or those scary sounds, they go away because they feel safe in between their parents. It's just our presence that makes them feel safe. I mean, I don't know about you, but when my kids come in, they go all around the bed and come to my side and they don't say anything, but I wake up because I feel their presence. That's the scariest thing as a parent right there. You guys know. Um, A couple months ago, we were going to a wedding and it was up north, it was a family wedding. And my brother, he lives in Rockford and he's like, just come up here. You can get ready here and we'll all drive together. So we get there and we are getting ready. And my brother says, I'm gonna take the kids to go get lunch. You stay, you get ready. We'll be back in a little bit, perfect. So we're getting ready, time goes by and I get a phone call from my brother. And he had an oddly calm voice to him. And he says, very calmly, he says, he lives in an apartment building. And he says, can you go downstairs and tell the front desk me and the kids are stuck in the elevator? (laughs) I'm like, oh, you've gotta be kidding me. And I knew he wasn't kidding because I heard a very dramatic cry in the background of my daughter. And she's crying hysterically. She's crying hysterically and she's saying like, mom, I'm never going to sue again, or I'm going to be in here. Her life was flashing before her eyes, and she literally thought this was it for her. And um, she's crying, and she's scared, and she's claustrophobic, and all this is happening. Now, meanwhile, my son's in there too. Is in there too. He just felt just merely inconvenienced because he wanted to eat his McDonald's. But um, my daughter was a mess. And I remember, thank goodness my brother had his phone on him and thank goodness it was working. But I remember just talking to my daughter the whole time on the phone. I was talking to her and telling her it's okay, everything's fine. I was telling her to breathe. I was telling her, you know, help is coming. You're, everything's fine. You're gonna get out soon. And now the circumstance didn't change. She was in that elevator. She was not getting out by me. Trust me, if I had enough strength, I would open up those doors, but she was in there for a while. So I could not change that. But what I could do is reassure her that she's safe. I could reassure her that it's okay. I can reassure her that I'm gonna see her. And just those words, just the presence of my voice made everything better. Now, 40 minutes later, um, the, the, um, the fire department came. It took a while for them to get out, but they finally got out. And I have this video. I should have brought it. But you, I, I'm, I'm videoing them as I know she's a mess, but I'm like, I've got to get this on camera. And um, she comes out, and she's bawling, and she's running to me. She, they are safe. She has not been in an elevator since, and we probably will take the stairs from now on. But um, just the sound of my voice and reassuring her, listen, you're not alone. I'm right here. I'm not gonna get off the phone until we're together. Reassured her that everything was okay. And this is what God does. God is with us and he's with us. And if you've said yes to him, um, a relationship with him, we get the the free gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us, which is we will have a full-on series of the Holy Spirit in the new year, which I'm so excited about. But he's with us all the time. And not only does Emmanuel mean he is with us, it also means he was with us. 
He was with us. And the easiest way for us to see God moving in our life is to actually take a look in the rearview mirror, to look at our past, to see God's track record in our life, to see all the ways he's provided, to see all the ways he has just given us provision. There's a man named Joseph um, in the book of Genesis. And um, if you think you've had a season, well, he counts his hardship in decades. Now, Joseph, um, he is one of 12 brothers, and he was his father's favorite. You probably remember him from the colorful coat that his dad gifted him. But um, his brothers hated him for being the favorite. So, so many things happened to Joseph. His brothers put him in this pit and tried to figure out how he could, uh, they could kill him. They eventually sold him to slavery, and he worked as a slave. Um, and then he was falsely accused by um, the Pharaoh's wife, and he was put in prison for years. It was something after something that happened to him. But Genesis is reaccounting the story of Joseph, and this is what it says. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Looking back at the life of Joseph, this is what it says. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. There's a Danish philosopher that says this, life can be only understood by looking backwards. Life can only be understood by looking backward, but it must be lived looking forward. Sometimes we need to look behind us to see all the ways that God was with us. And I wonder if some of us today were honest enough to really take the time to look in our rearview mirror, to look in our past, not only at the good times, but the, the hard seasons too of, of trauma and uncertainty and fear and questioning and transition. If we would not find where all the times God was so good, but we must look back. There's this pastor that tells a story. Um, he tells a story. He was speaking at a conference and they're in a big city and he gets done speaking and he's with a friend and they are walking to go find somewhere to eat, somewhere for dinner. And they're walking along and he describes this scene. He said it was straight from like a Western movie. They, they walk past this bar and um, a man comes flying out the front door. And you could tell he's been beaten up, he's bloody. And a second later, another man comes out of the front door and is coming after him. And they're fighting in the streets. They're just punching each other and it was really bad. And he says, now people are coming from the bar and they're circling these two men and they're watching. They're watching this fight. They are cheering this on. And he said, well, I'm a pastor. I can't just sit back and watch this like it's an MMA fight. I, I can't just walk away and ignore it. So he says, so... I have to do something. Now, mind you, he also describes himself. He is a very short man with a very high-pitched voice. So he says, okay, so I mustered a deep voice. I mustered all the strength I could, and I yelled to these men, and I said, hey, stop it. And he says, these two men that were fighting, these two grown men stop what they're doing. They look at him, and they walk away in different directions. Now, this short little pastor, he says he just remembers like his shoulders got kind of broader and he's like, man, I must be pretty intimidating. I must be a little scary. He's like, good for me. And then he goes to leave and he, and he turns around and he says, there was a six foot seven former NFL player behind him. 
He's like, this had nothing to do with me. These men saw this guy behind me. But this just shows you, you must turn around at times and see all the things that are behind you. Who was with you the whole time? Emmanuel doesn't just mean God is with us, although it does. It doesn't just mean God was with us and is with us. It also means that God will be with us. He will be with us. And our hope is founded in the historical realities and the historical markers that God has placed along the way in human history that changed the trajectory for us forever. We can have the confidence, we can have the hope that no matter what tomorrow brings, God will be with us through it all. Because here's the truth, and and here's the hard truth. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what this next year will bring. We don't know what this next season will bring. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. And this is what we do every 365 days. We get together with friends and family and we, we cheers for the new year. And uh, we look back at just the, the times we had, the good times, and we recollect. And, and then we look forward. And if you're anything like me, I make my goals. I make my New Year's resolutions. I have my word for the year. I like to plan of what I want to change and do different going forward. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we should be looking forward and planning for the future. But in all reality, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what the new season will bring. But what we do know and what we can hope for is this. We worship a God who calls himself Emmanuel. He is with us and he will be with us through it all. There was a man named Paul. He was an apostle, which basically means he was um, someone who goes out and spreads the good news of the gospel everywhere. And he's writing to a church in Rome, in the book of Romans. And this is what Paul says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Nothing can separate us. If you were here this morning and you made the decision to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, nothing can separate us from that. It's a package deal. Nothing can separate, not your failures, not your mistakes, not your regrets, not your shortcomings, nothing. And this Christmas, this is what we celebrate. We celebrate a God that put on flesh to come after you and who came after me. To be with us because that's who he is. He's Emmanuel. And remember, God God calls himself that that Greek word parakaleo, parakaleo which means to walk alongside. He's the God that walks alongside. And the question is not... 
Does God wanna walk alongside of us? Because he does. But the question here I want you to ask this Christmas season is, do I want to walk alongside him? And if you're not a follower here this morning, we have an amazing prayer team that is up at the front every single Sunday after every single service who wants to pray with you. And maybe that is you this morning and you, you have questions and you haven't taken that, that leap of faith and you haven't said yes to a relationship with God. And, and maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you don't understand it. Come visit our prayer team. And we will pray with you and we will talk to you and we will answer your questions and we will walk alongside you. Because here at Connect, we pray that this Christmas and every single Christmas, you are not walking alone and that you have a God that walks alongside of you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for for your word. Thank you so much for you putting on flesh and coming after us. We don't deserve it, but you do it anyways. Thank you for this Christmas season where we can remember what you did. We can remember the sacrifice that you made bringing your son down here to walk alongside of us because that is who you are. You are Emmanuel. So we are so thankful for that. I I pray that you stir the hearts of people who aren't walking alongside you. And I pray that you um, fill them with questions and, um, but also just, just hope that there is, there is a relationship waiting for them. Lord, I just pray this Christmas season that there is no one that is walking alone and they know that you are Emmanuel, a God that walks with us. So I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen.